Hello and welcome to part two of the fifth episode of Course High Viz, Course Construction's podcast series. I'm joined now by Jonathan McCoy, and let's get straight into it. Let's talk Chinese high-level cultural values. Jonathan, can you start by telling us about some of the high-level business cultural values in mainland China? Sure, David. Well, to me, China is quite a fascinating jurisdiction. Um, I spent a few years there in China, particularly in Hong Kong, um, and I guess I experienced firsthand China's shift or the shift that we keep hearing about. Um, where it's got a growing middle class now, where it's shifting away from the traditional status of a factory and moving more towards um, an established economy. Um, I guess one of the areas to start would be that with business relationships in China, David, they take time. Um, you don't win business with a client overnight. Relationships are always built on a high level of trust, just like in Japan, which Celeste pointed out earlier. This is even probably more important when the business deal is worth a significant amount.、Uh, we also see this in the Australian construction industry, where Chinese investors are targeting high-value projects, where they're focusing now on education, innovation, technology, rather than the historical trends where investment, I guess, was centred on Australian residential development. It's also worth noting, I guess, that China is a highly collectivist culture. It's quite pragmatic. Um, and perseverance is important to China, and that's also one of the qualities that stands out for this jurisdiction. And I myself saw this when I was studying and working abroad in China.、Um, China also is quite interesting in the sense that several cities, such as Shanghai in the mainland and Hong Kong as a special administrative region,、uh, both I guess are classified as global cities. So China is quite an important area now for business. And unlike Australia, which I guess has moved away from this traditional Management and business structure in recent years. China is a jurisdiction that's well known for a strong sense of hierarchy. Still, so it's very important to China.、Uh, for example, formal authority is very important to the Chinese business culture. So I guess it's vital that clients really understand and appreciate that you need to approach the correct individual in the organisation, David, and that you need to respect these higher levels of management and acknowledge, I guess, the seniority of staff. So very true, Jonathan. So、uh, that that sort of leads me into my next question, which、um, is around business etiquette. So you've touched on it, but I've also heard that personal business relationships are incredibly important in business in China. Yes, that's right, David. And I'm glad you touch on that point because personal business relationships are almost everything in China. They're very important,、um, and perhaps we don't always see that in Australia. Clients, I guess, should never underestimate just how much can be achieved over a dinner. Uh, with business partners or prospective clients, so it's quite normal for a Chinese party, for example, to invite a current client or a new client to a dinner, and they usually do this,、um, allow them to sample some fine Chinese cuisine, while discussing a business deal.、Um, and I guess this method of doing business has always been a successful channel in China, and the host, you know, when they do organise this dinner, they usually do this over a round table. Or they opt for a banquet and they order some of the local favourites. And also, David, I guess it's important to note that in Australia, the difference is that we separate our business deals with our lunch and our dinner networking. It's all very separate here.、Uh, most of the time, our events, you know, there's only a light topic of conversation. And when we go back to the point about hierarchy being important in China, networking over dinner actually helps break down these potential barriers as clients and business partners are getting to know each other on an informal level. 
So I might move on now to negotiation styles. It's something I'm quite interested in. Um, tell me, Jonathan, what are the differences um, to what we experience here in Australia when negotiating um, with, say, our local clients as opposed to uh, clients or prospective clients uh, in China? Sure. Well, David, um, I guess it's good to begin um, with China perhaps first, and I'll come to Australia in a moment. In, in China, it's very important that you target the key decision maker. In, in Australia, you have a bit more of a leeway with that, where, where you can reach out to different people at different levels, but with China, you always go for the key decision maker. This is also quite different to Japan, because in Japan, you'll have a group of decision makers and you reach out to them on various levels as well. That's true. We heard um, from Celeste on that in part one of, um, of, of this uh, podcast. That's correct, David. And, and as we go back to hierarchy being important in China, if we establish who that decision maker is at an early stage, then we begin to understand not only the hierarchy, but we begin to understand how everyone else fits into the picture. So you also need to understand your counterpart well in advance. I think this is a key point that many people don't always realize. They jump into, ne jump into a negotiation quite quickly and they don't do their research. And why I say this is because China is quite a large and diverse region and negotiation styles will definitely vary from city to city. Businesses in smaller cities will have a different approach to those in bigger cities. So unlike Australia, where it's easy to establish, I guess, a general negotiation style, it's important to understand where your client is based when you're negotiating in China. One other point, I guess, which is worth raising is that there's also a concept of saving face. It's quite an interesting topic for many, um, but I guess the basics are that Chinese culture promotes avoiding these unnecessary disputes and arguments that many parties have. So what they uphold is social harmony. I guess another point is being too direct and frank is often a bit risky for Western parties. Uh, proceed smoothly, carefully, and uh, establish this rapport and trust. Even though you're negotiating with another party, understand who they are. And that goes back to the earlier point. Understand who they are, how they fit into the bigger picture and you'll be able to negotiate a lot more effectively. Sounds, yeah, very interesting. I mean, look, let's be honest, everyone should be doing their homework, shouldn't they, before uh, meeting, with, uh, we meeting with clients. But uh, very much so, this seems uh, extremely important when meeting with our Chinese friends. That's exactly right, David. And I guess the final point is that, you know, Chinese businesses like to have deals um, come through swiftly, but also they like to resolve disputes swiftly. Um, and they always want to see deals through to the end. So that's why, as I mentioned earlier, perseverance is very important in China. Yeah, fantastic, Jonathan. That's uh, some very good tips there. Um, how about we just uh, finish with a couple of takeaway points? What do you think would be sort of perhaps the three key takeaways um, from, uh, from your experiences and the experiences of others that you've encountered along the way? Okay, it's quite an interesting question. Uh, a bit hard to encapsulate everything into three points, but... If I do have to choose three, I guess the first would be understand and appreciate the Chinese business culture. That would be the first. So perhaps invite your business partner or client to a dinner in Australia. David, highly recommend doing that. You will really appreciate um, how much they love these dinner conversations and chats, and, and they will really appreciate that gesture. The second point, David, would be that we need to respect the fact that China is a leading economy. Uh, the Western world has sort of looked at the US over these last few years, but China has been making significant progress. And it's shifted from what I referred to earlier as a global factory. It's quite a co common term that's used 
in the past to what we should properly refer to it as a sophisticated investor these days. And I guess, David, that leads us to our third point, which is that the China-Australia relationship is already strong. We should be seeing that. China is currently our largest two-way trading partner. Uh, it's our largest export market, and it's also our largest source of imports. So I would say that businesses need to be encouraged by these statistics um, and I guess ensure that they're familiar with other things such as international um, agreements, such as CHAFTA, which is a China-Australia free trade agreement. If they are familiar with these things, then that will ensure that they have a competitive edge in Australia, which, which is important because many other businesses have not considered investing in China or have been quite hesitant to. Fantastic, Jonathan. Very insightful indeed. My name is David Hasty. Thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us for the next edition of Course High Viz. Until then, thanks for joining us. This product is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be re relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.